0: you have your Bibles, I want you to look at the book of Ephesians with me. I hope you have your Bible in front of you this morning or at home, if you would grab it off the shelf there at home and put it on your lap and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I think there's some instruction here that you need this morning. I sure need this. And I hope it will be a blessing to you. I want to talk about always abounding. This is the series that we have chosen for the whole year. Abounding in his strength is the topic that I want to talk about. Again, we're dealing with uh, believers that can be uh, abounding in him. And then Paul is actually writing and saying, I want you to be able to abound or increase uh, more and more. And there is a way that you can always abound in his strength. Now, I want to let you know that in the, the, the book of Ephesians here, that uh, Paul is writing to them concerning good doctrine in many of the verses. Um, and then he ends the, the chapter, in chapter 6, and he kind of gets real personal, that uh, if you want to be able to stay strong, finally, my brethren, he's talking to the believer here at the church at Ephesus, and he wants them to be strong. I want you to look if you would, Ephesians chapter one, because what's interesting about this particular letter? There's a lot of doctrine in here that he wants them to stay in that, abound in that sound doctrine, abound in that understanding, and that this is part of your strength. And so I want you to see this uh, with me, because we believe uh, at our church, uh, Grace Baptist Church, we believe that there is one God, but we believe also that there is what we call the Trinity. And so uh, there is a verse that the New Translations have taken out, 1 John 5, 7, says that there are three that bear record in heaven. It says the Word, um, the Father... And, and, it, and it says the Holy Spirit, so it 's mentioning all three of the Trinity, but they have taken that verse out completely, so if your Bible has first John five seven removed, you need to get a new Bible. And, uh, and, and realize that this particular truth of the Trinity is, is mentioned all over in the Scripture. It's not just found in First John 5, 7. It's found in other places. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 12 through 13 has the uh, Trinity in it. If you look at verse 12, it says that, that we should be to the praise of his glory, God's glory, Who first trusted in Christ? That's Jesus Christ, and whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. See the capital S there. The Holy Spirit of promise, and so all three are mentioned right there in First in Ephesians chapter one, verse seventeen through eighteen. Uh, also has it that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of, his, uh, uh, of the glory of his inheritance in, in the saints And again, look at, if you would, at chapter 2, verse number 18. The Bible says, through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So the Holy Spirit's mentioned here in the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. I want you to turn with me, uh, if you would, to chapter number 3. Chapter 3, beginning in verse number 5, which in other ages... Uh, was not made known unto the sons of men, and it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit, capital S, the Gentiles should be fellow heirs uh, and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made minister according to the gift of the grace of God, uh, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. In those verses, you have the Trinity. In verses number 14 through 16, you have the Trinity mentioned again in chapter number 3. I want you to look, though, if you would, at this understanding of being strong in the Lord. Uh, I really believe that sound doctrine and understanding what the Bible says is part of that being strong in him. Because every single but- person in this room, everybody wants to be strong in him. You want to be strong in the Lord. And uh, what does that mean? Of course, finally, my, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. It's, it's easy for us to say, well, just be strong in the Lord, you know. What's wrong with you? Uh, be strong in the Lord. They go, well, just be holy. What's wrong? Well, people need to know how to be holy, how to be able to live their life the way God wants them to live. How can I be strong in the Lord, and how can I be strengthened in him? I thought it was interesting because I went a little further with this verse that we actually read, verse number 10 of chapter 6, and he's actually saying here, be strong that particular verb means to be enabled or to be strengthened in. The power, that's the vigor, of course, or the might, that's the the forcefulness, or really the ability uh, of God. So we're dealing with what we lack sometimes, and that is the power of God. Did you realize, dear Christian friend, that the power of God lives within you the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead it lives in your mortal body. Did you realize that the Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 8? But I thought it was interesting because we lack this power sometimes and we need this strength. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1, verse number 3, according to his divine Power hath he given to us all things that pertain unto the life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to the to glory and virtue. In Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, the Bible says, And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes Uh, So we're dealing with the source of this strength in the Lord or his power. The source of that really is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you cannot be be the kind of believer uh, that you should be until you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're just moral, that's not good enough. There needs to you need to take a step further and receive Christ as your personal Savior. And I think when we're talking about this particular passage, that we need strength to wrestle. We need strength to be able to 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 wrestle spiritually, if you would. Look at verse twelve. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so when I look at that verse and I think of the word wrestle, what does that mean? Wrestle really conveys to us the idea of a contest between two people that are trying to throw the other one down. And so there is this wrestling. I don't know if you've been to a wrestling match. I personally don't like wrestling. I don't like going to wrestling where I see two guys on a mat wrestling around. It just kind of grosses me out. But that's just me. you know. Box is fine. Kickboxing is better. But, but when it comes to wrestling, I don't like that. Maybe you have wrestled around uh, at home a little bit. Sometimes the father will wrestle around with the kids and stuff like that. But your, your, your desire is to throw the other person down as in a contest. And so I was thinking about this a little further, that when it talks about principalities, Uh, that we actually wrestle against principalities, what does that mean? Well, we're talking about, um, uh, if you would, in the spiritual world, in the spiritual sense, because it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So in order to be strengthened in the Lord, because that's the whole thing we're talking about today, if I'm going to be strengthened in the Lord and in his might and in the power of God, I must understand that I'm going to wrestle with spiritual things. I don't wrestle with people. That's what immature people will do. If you're wrestling with people all the time and having issues with people, it's not them, it's you. And so deal with your own heart, and God will help you to be able to, to be the kind of believer that he wants you to be. When it talks about principalities, John Wesley said this. He said he called these principalities the mighty princes of all the infernal legions. So there are two kingdoms then. That he's referring to. He's referring to the spiritual realm, uh, and he's talking also, if you would, of the spiritual realm. So, the kingdom of darkness really uh, and the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of Jesus Christ is this kingdom of light. The kingdom of Satan is the kingdom of darkness. And so, principalities here in this verse is referring to the chief rulers in the kingdom of darkness. And so, we need God's strength to be able to wrestle with the uh, princes, uh, spiritual demonic princes of this world. We need the, 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 the principalities and understanding of that, but also the power of God to be able to do that. And he goes on to further in the verse, talk about he talks about powers here in the verse. For he wrestled out against principalities, also against powers. Well, who are they? Those uh, who had the power or to whom the name powers was given, but their power was taken away. One commentator actually wrote this word uh, means to it represents Satan as addressing the fallen angels um, in similar language, and so we're actually dealing with the demonic warfare today in our world. We're dealing with these principalities and these powers. It actually mentions the rulers of the darkness of this world or of this age. What does that mean? I wrote here that the rulers that preside over the regions of ignorance and sin with which the earth abounds. So when we're talking about darkness, we're talking about it is an emblem um, of ignorance, an emblem of misery. Darkness is an emblem of sin, and no description could be more accurate than that of representing these malignant spirits as ruling over the dark world. These were the ones that were cast out of heaven. These were the demonic forces that at one time were praising God, but because of their rebellion, they were cast out of heaven, and they are trying to rule this world, and they're trying to rule rule your life, and they're trying to rule your heart. And so you need the power of the gospel of Christ to be able to be strong in the Lord and continue in his might. John Wesley went on a little further as he was talking about this. We were talking about the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places or wicked spirits, if you would, as the demons. They're unclean, proud, lying, deceitful, malicious, uh, who who may be uh, said to be in high or heavenly places, not in places uh, super celestial uh, or or in highest heavens, not the third heaven where God and the angels sit. But these are in the aerial heavens uh, where the power or the, the posse, if you would, of dark demons reside and, and where they are above us. They're over our heads, overlooking us and watching every advantage against us. And therefore, we should really be fully armored. And, and ready to take on the forces of evil with God's strength and God's power. Remember this, too, that Satan only has a third of the angels. Two-thirds is what God has still, and so he is the omnipotent, all-powerful God, And so we don't have to get spooked out about the demons of this world. We have more power. Greater is he that is in you than he that is of this world. And so, Christian, let me tell you something. If, if you're struggling with with these uh, difficult forces of evil, Uh, let me just tell you that everybody is today because it seems like uh, Satan's trying to win this battle. And so we understand that there is that battle and we can actually be what God wants us to be and we can live moral, moral this side of heaven. As I was saying earlier, John Wesley said this. He went on to say that we wrestle against wicked spirits who continually oppose faith and love and holiness, either by force or by fraud. And they labor to infuse unbelief, uh, pride, idolatry, massive idolatry, ha- envy, anger, hatred, and heavenly places which were once their abode and which they still aspire To as far as they are permitted. So, if I can get your attention this morning, I want you to know number one is that the battle is raging. And it's interesting because uh, Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus and after he got done with his wonderful doctrinal dissertations and his desire to help out in the home a little bit more in Ephesians chapter 6, as he finishes the chapter with this understanding of taking on the whole armor of God and he brings out the battle in the evil day. And I really believe that there has been evil days in the past and there will be evil days in the future, but when during these evil days we can actually live the way God wants us to live. We can have the power of God, but we need to understand that the battle is raging. The seriousness of the struggle, the supernatural versus the superficial. And a lot of times we allow our our Christianity to be external, and it has never been meant to be that way. You go into a church where everybody has to look alike, everybody has to dress alike, otherwise you're not in. That is not of God. There is a desire for God to work on your heart and work on your spirit so that you can actually yield to him. And so our battle really is spiritual in nature. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So the enemies are not each other. They're not humans. Our enemy, then, are the forces of evil, and they are powerful. But against his principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age or this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places... And so our job then is to be prepared as believers. Therefore, look at the word therefore. I thought that's interesting. Uh, it's actually, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, for we wrestle not against flood. Look at verse number 13. Wherefore, or therefore then, take unto you, that's a verb that you ought to be able to understand, that you need to take the armor and put it on yourself. No one's going to do it for you. Sometimes children come down, Stairs after they've been awake for a couple of hours, and Mom's wondering what they were doing up there, and they come down, and they, look, I dress myself, Mom. And they're all dressed with something that doesn't quite match. And they're so proud of themselves, and because they dress themselves, and from a very early age, we're hoping and longing that the children would dress themselves, and they would look decent uh, think God wants us as his children to dress decent and moral, of course, but he also wants us to take on and put on not only the clothes, but put on the armor of God to be able to live the life that we can live, and we can do it. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, verse number 13, so when we're admonished to be strong in the Lord's strength, I think about an illustration I had given to my wife earlier today as we were talking about the first Gatorade. When I talk about Gatorade, you think of juice, don't you? You think of some kind of a juice that you can take to drink to be strong. And boy, he's just able to run the ball faster and he's able to hit the bucket easier as long as he's drinking Gatorade. And any of you heard of Gatorade? Gatorade. It was given, really, to enlisted men in a Florida training camp during World War II. The daily training for those GIs included to run through optical course, and on the final stretch of the endurance test, they had to grab a rope and swing across this huge, broad, but shallow pond, pool of water, and under the blazing southerly sun, the water looked so inviting to the men that most of them, would have the habit of making it about halfway, and then they would drop into the water, and so they decided to put an alligator in there, and uh, became the first gator aid to keep he- keep the boys. And many many of you perhaps thought about how that you you could go through the service, and many of you were in the military, and how you were able to 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 accomplish the obstacle course or whatever you had. In the Marine Corps, we had to, to do that, and I remember facing some a long course that I had to do, and by the end, I was so tired. Uh, one of those, we had to actually balance on a rope. We had a rope above our heads, and it looks really easy because the DIs are perfect, you know. And uh, But they showed us how to do it, but we never really could get across, many of us, and we fell into the water, but there was no alligator there. But I was thinking about how, likewise, our behavior as Christians must sometimes be shaped by encouragement of the danger that if we don't continue on and we fall, that there is going to be problems. And without God's loving correction and faithful discipline, we would never develop spiritually, we would never be able to have the endurance And if the Lord didn't permit threatening conditions to come in our lives, we would soon succumb to feelings of self-sufficiency and self-confidence. And it wouldn't take very long, and you would be spiritually drained. Because it is by God's power and God's strength that we can do his will, his way. next time you feel pain of a distressing situation, remember the words of David. In Psalm 119, he said this and wrote this, I suppose, in the evening hours. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have kept thy word. He goes on to say in verse number 67 of Psalm 119, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes." So God is in the business of allowing us to be weak enough so that we would use his strength. Finally, my brethren, be strengthened in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in him. Certainly the first step is to receive him as your Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about going to church. It's wonderful that you do that. I'm talking about receiving Jesus Christ into your heart. For believers, we may neglect a power that has been with us all along. I think about a story I heard years ago, it was a seminary missions class, and Herbert Jackson told how as a new missionary, he was assigned to a car that wouldn't start without a push, and so after pondering his problem, he devised a plan, he went to the school near his house, and he got permission to take some of the children out of the class, and had them push the car off, and then he would release the clutch. And you know how it then would start. And He made his rounds, and he could either park it then on a hill someplace, or he would leave it running. But he was able to cope. He used this procedure for two whole years. With ill health, forced the Jackson family to leave, and a new missionary had to come. And take that position. And when Jackson proudly began to explain his arrangement for getting the car started to the new missionary that came, it was an interesting thing because the missionary then popped the hood and found that it was just a loose cable. And for two years, he was not connected to the power. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe that's me at times. You know what? If there's anything between you and God this morning, would you please remove it so He can have the power to do what He desires to do within your life? Many people come to me and say, It doesn't work, Pastor. I've been trying like crazy. Oh, stop whining. Stop whining and realize that it is sin in your own personal life. And maybe you have emptied your heart of bad things. Well, now fill it full of good things. Be around good people. Be around people that want to love God, that will actually show you how you can worship God and how you can tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I thought it was interesting because as we think about this raging, I want to give you two things to think about this morning. First of all, that Satan has a strategy for defeat. Let me talk about that a little bit. How does he work? The Bible says really clearly in the text, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the devices or the trickery, if you would. The deceptions of Satan. I think the first thing he actually uses is deception. He will try to deceive. The Bible actually shows us in one place where Jesus called Satan the father of lies. The Bible says in John 8:44, "And you are of your Father, the devil, of the lusts of your Father you will do." He's talking to the Pharisees. He was a murderer from the beginning, talking about Satan, and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. And when he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks of his own, for he is a liar. And he is the father of it. Did you realize that Satan will deceive by lying to you? Mm-hmm. So it's like that M&M, you know, you grab a hold of, hoping that there's going to be some chocolate inside. But what if there was a candy coating and then there was strychnine in the middle of it? What if there was something like heroin that was laced with perhaps something that would take you down immediately and you thought that you were going to have just a really nice little high but yet you woke up and you were in hell because you never trusted Christ as your Savior. You See, that's what Satan does. He wants to take as many people to hell as he can because he's going there. And he's so angry with you because you have grace that he's never going to get any. But you have time to breathe and to understand his grace and to be able to function as the kind of believer that God wants you to function as. And so we see that he deceived Adam and Eve. We saw... Also that he is classified a deceiver. The Bible says in Revelation 20, verse number 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And so that actually mentions that the devil was the one that was deceiving. He appears sometimes as an angel of light. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 14 and 15, and, and, and no marveled for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And therefore it is no great thing of his ministers also to be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. And so we see that he is deceiving. He is deceiving people today that are attending church even, that have a homosexual pastor. That's that's being deceived. That's saying that homosexuality is okay. No, homosexuality is an an abomination to God. It always has been, it always will be. Flag me if you want me on Facebook. Go ahead, flag me all you want to. It's the truth of God's word. And my goodness, we have entered into our culture is lying to us. And we're actually putting out a a rainbow flag outside of a church. I, I don't want to be angry toward that. I just want it to stop because it is deceiving people. It is deceiving people. Do you realize that God made man for himself and he made woman for man? It's just the way God had it. And we can actually live that way. Did you know that God is the head of every man? And did you know that every head, head of, uh, of a woman is a man? That's the way God has it. You say, well, I don't like that. And God never asked us if we liked it. He just said, this is the way it is. Thus saith the Lord. Also, he has this ability Satan does to denounce. The Bible says in, really clearly in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10, he calls the Christians, or the brethren, he calls them accusers. The Bible says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them. Before our God, day and night. Satan uses his ability to distract. The Bible says he distracts people from the gospel taking root because uh, Mark chapter 4, verse number 15 says, And these are they that were by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. How many times have you heard the gospel? Oh, I hope that today would be the last time you would hear it before you would receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't let it, don't let it come to your heart and then, just, and then just keep on going because then Satan will distract you by something else and you will go home and live your life in sin. For more important matters also in 1st Timothy chapter 3 verse number 7 moreover he must have a good report of them which are out lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil that's the way he works he tries to denounce and he also tries to destroy the Bible says in Revelation 9:11 that he had king over them which, in, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Ab- Abaddon, which is the Greek tongue is Pollen, or Pollen being the destroyer, that's what that means, of course, 1 Peter also tells us in verse number 8, 5 verse number 8, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil is like a roaring lion walking about seeking who he may devour. And so that's how Satan works. But let me just give you, before I, I let you go home and understand the strategy of God's strength and how he can strengthen you and, and what you must do to be strong and strengthen the Lord. The first thing is to always be alert. Always be awake spiritually. Don't go sleeping spiritually. Maybe you've been a little bit apathetic in your walk with God. There was a time in your life where you were close to God, and you walked with Him, and you served Him, and you were happy, and you were having your devotions, and it was just wonderful. But now today, you're kind of cold to spiritual things, and and you think that the the Christians are the problem, and, and your heart is distant from God. Maybe that's you today. I would say, wake up, dear friend. Be alert. Stay awake. I know in the military we had to always stay awake and take care of things. I remember it was called fire watch and there was no fire there. You know, we were in the squad bay and we had to uh, watch things and keep alert and so on. And sometimes I'd come in uh, in the evening, I'd say, uh, Attention on deck, you know, that's what we say when an officer comes. And, and there on the desk is a young man sleeping. And I say it again, and he thinks that an officer is in, because he just woke up and he's supposed to be on duty. And I would trick him a little bit. And I said, you need to stay awake. But you need to stay awake spiritually, dear friend. And if you're sleeping spiritually this morning, ask God to help you. Wake me up, oh God. Make me alert. Help me to always be aware of things that are going on around me. The Bible says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. That's for you and me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 6. And verse number 8 also says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet, the hope of salvation. So stay alert. Number two, stay firm. You don't have to to give in to the world's lies. You you can actually be a Bible-believing Christian and carry your Bible to work or to school. You can do that today. You don't have to... Wimp out and say, well, I'm just not going to do that because I might be offensive to somebody else. That's the problem in our culture today. We're afraid of offending, and it's not you offending them. They they don't like our God. But we love him. We ought not to be embarrassed of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to take and stay steadfast in that. I say, if you're going to be able to continue, be unmovable. Steadfast but always abounding in the work of the Lord. The third thing is we ought to be able to submit to God. That's pretty easy. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And so submission is absolutely essential. The fourth thing, though, is suit up. If you know, I have a tendency to put S's on everything. And so to give you the strategy a little bit more, stay alert, stand firm, submit to God, And then suit up. What do you suit up with? The armor, is mentioned here. And I want to help you understand what it's talking about. It says, first of all, if you look at the text, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. The belt of truth. Adam Clark explained it this way. The belt of truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the truth of God. Put it on. Unless this be known as a consci- consci- conscientiously believed, no man can enter the spiritual warf- wherefore, uh, the warfare, with any advantage or prospect of success. I went on to write this last night. By this alone, we discover who our enemies are and how they come to attack us. And by this, we know that where our strength lies and the great truth, of course, is in the Lord Jesus Christ and we understand what is a false religion and the various winds of doctrine which by cunning men will actually take us away and deceive us from that which is true. Truth is actually the exhortation here that we would understand the truth. And by this exhortation we might understand that we must in all things act according to the truth. We ought to be able to personify the truth in our own hearts so that when someone has you enter into their presence, they know that truth has now arrived. Just like somebody full of compassion would understand that somebody full of mercy has arrived, they know that truth has actually entered their door. When you visit somebody and you talk to them, speak of the truth. Let your words be as good as gold all the time, every day. Live as honest as you can. God wants us to be able to have the belt of truth. Everything else rests upon it. He also talks about the breastplate of righteousness in your text. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. The Roman soldiers were to protect their heart as the center of physical life. Their chest, their heart was covered. But let me just share with you that this is speaking of the breastplate of righteousness is not your own that you'd actually make a sense and say, well, I've got my own righteousness and I'm clothed with it. No, take it off and let the righteousness of Jesus Christ be that which covers your heart. It is the breastplate of God's righteousness that will cover us. Someone went on to say it is hardly mean moral retitude, which after we would be a poor guard against the reproaches of conscience, or the assaults of Satan. This righteousness is that which the Apostle Paul desired for himself. It is the righteousness of God by faith in Philippians 3 8 and Philippians 3 9. It is emphatically the righteousness of God, so perfect that it satisfies every demand of the law. Your righteousness doesn't, but Jesus' righteousness does. And this righteousness is imputed to us by faith. It is placed upon us. And when God looks down and sees us, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, because of what he did on Calvary 2,000 years ago. The only answer is Jesus, my friend. The only answer to any difficulty that you're going through will always be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so remember the breastplate of righteousness. And then your feet also shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so when we're talking about the sandals of peace... Have your feet shot in, prepar- in preparation to be able to bring the gospel to every situation. The legs of the Roman soldiers were covered with what they called greaves. And below these then were the sandals they were put on. They were so they could actually be swift in their military movements. And Christians are to show this kind of readiness to not have boots that weigh you down, but have sandals of, of piece so that you can move rather quickly and bring peace to the situation instead of being so tense all the time. It's amazing to me how many Christians desire peace. They love it, but they're not willing to pay the price. They're not willing to put on the whole armor of God. Oh, would it be wonderful if we understood what it meant to be able to put on the whole armor of God. He goes on to say, above all, taking the shield of faith, The shield really covered the whole body as well as the armor itself. Faith is a shield in the spiritual warfare. It is the faith of which Christ is the object, at once the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's that confidence which defends the understanding from error, keeps us from error. And is the heart, when it is weak, has faith to continue on instead of despair. God wants to give us that shield of faith. The victory is in faith, because faith in this victory overcomes the world, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 4 and 1 John 5, 5. Its special service is to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, because Satan is showering us every day with these burning arrows upon our souls and upon our spirits and to shape us perhaps in a blasphemous way or an unholy way. He's trying to get to our hearts and to our souls and to our minds, but we have this shield of faith and this faith makes us almost untouchable by God's grace because it falls back upon his divine word apprehends the mercy of God and the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ and not our own because our salvation is not by merit. It is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. The helmet of salvation and take the helmet of salvation that will protect the head and the most exposed part of the body and enables the soldier to bold uh, and to be bold without the fear of injury or to hurt himself and to calmly be able to with this right mind, continue in the battle, this battle of understanding his salvation and the hope in it. It's amazing how the Satan is after your head. He's after your brain. He would like to take you down by making you confused or making you think something's not right. Satan is always trying to get to our minds, and so we ought to have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. What a wonderful blessing. That the sword of the spirit is because the other parts of the armor are all defensive, but not the word of God. It is the offensive. It can be used for defensive too. But the word of God is a sword. It, it, it pierces like, like a sword into the heart, into the matter. Ephesians 4.12 tells us that because it pierces through all disguises or errors because it lays bare. The wiles and the tricks and the suggestions of Satan and the temptations, it lays it all open. The word of God is the power that gives us the ability to continue on the offensive level where the temptation is to perhaps um, impiety or despair or unbelief or covetousness or pride or hatred or worldliness but it is written stands clearly to me especially when jesus christ was being tempted he used the word of god every single time dealing with temptation today and all the things that we have to deal with in closing i want to share with you to be strong in the lord it means to be strengthened of course in him by placing the armor on and he's giving us this understanding. You, you want to be strengthened in the Lord? Do you want to be in the power of his might? Then put the armor on. And then finally, he says in verse number 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful verse. For us to close with is that we ought to wrap all of these things in our communication to God, in our prayer to Him, because it is a spiritual warfare. You don't have to fight people. You got more battles than that. It's your 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 battles may be stronger than people. You're battling the evil forces of this society, and this culture, and this world, dear friend. And if you don't understand the battle rages, then you don't understand. About how being a Christian, or how to be a Christian, and if you don't understand the tricks and the strategy of Satan, how can you ever beat him? You need to understand that he's a liar. And by the way, if you find somebody in the Old Testament, or let's let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to First Corinthians. I'll turn there. But in First Corinthians chapter five, they dealt with a, a church member that was immoral. Remember that? Well, guess what happened? In the second uh, Corinthians, they bring him back in, but. In that particular passage, they said really clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, why don't you go to him and show your forgiveness to him and show how you love him and care for him, lest Satan get an advantage. Because that's the way he works. He's deceptive. He takes the person who's been hurt by some words of somebody else. He takes the the, the accusation toward them that they heard of somebody else saying to them or whatever. They take an action that took place when they were a child. And then he, he, he uses that to keep that person at bay. And then he brings it back to their minds at times to cause them to be confused. And let me tell you something. You can reach toward the heavens, dear friend, and you can still stretch out to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will give you the power to do his will anytime, place you're willing if you just submit to him. Maybe you've never trusted him maybe even in this battle all by yourself, saying, nobody understands me, I can't do this, how am I going to be able to do it? Well, this morning there's hope for you. And it's not in a plan or a program. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. Because you can receive him and take him with you today. And you can actually spend time with him the rest of your life. And he'll always be there to encourage you. He'll be there to remind verses or songs that we sing. He is, your, actually, he is your companion. And you'll have fellowship with him. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why don't you do that today? And if you have, dear friend, maybe you've fallen asleep. Oh, wake up, dear friend. I'm just kind of putting my elbow into your ribs a little bit today and saying, wake up. God wants to use you. Stay strong in him. Give him glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed and Roman can head out if you would. It's interesting as we think about the Lord in our own hearts that maybe you would take this personally today. Let me talk to you if you're here visiting, never came to a church like this before, and maybe you're not really understanding completely everything. I've already asked one of the men that were here this morning, are you a born-again Christian? And he told me he got saved in Chicago years ago, told me that he also got baptized by immersion. What a blessing. I have no further conversation with him this morning, but God does. God wants to communicate to him. My communication to you, though, is have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Was there a time and a place where you go back and say, I asked Jesus to forgive me, and I asked Jesus to save me? If there has not been that place, then maybe you can just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I need Jesus in my life, and I know it. Would you pray for me? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Then, dear Christian, this message was for you. It was for the saints. Oh, God loves you. What a blessing to be with Christians today on the Lord's Day. But maybe there's some things in your heart that you just need to get right here at the altar. Oh, you could say it right there in your pew, and you can say it when you get home, but maybe you're more anxious than that and you want to come and take care of it this morning. The altar's open for you. Whatever the case is, maybe it's just for believers, baptism or church membership. Why don't you come? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you stand to your feet? No one looking around this morning. Let's have an invitation. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation, Lord, that you would lead people to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.